Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Well, hello again, everyone. I hope you're all having a great Sunday. When this comes out, I will be in the air on the way to Dallas for a week. So wish me good travels. All right, so here's part two. Last week, we talked about does it actually mean it's true if something stings? And today, we're going to talk about letting people be wrong about you. This is a really hard one for me. I don't really mind being wrong as much as I hate when I either think people are thinking wrong things about me or think I'm wrong and I don't know it. So if these things really get to you as well, welcome to my pain. We'll get through it together. So last week, we talked about how you feel and how you react when someone makes a comment about you that's at least a little bit true, but you wish it wasn't. We talked about some stepping stone progressions to get you from a place of resisting and deflecting to using it to propel your personal growth forward. Today, we're going to talk about the ones where you know it isn't true. So for the examples we're going to use today, these are going to be situations where you feel really confident that it's not something where you need to do a ton of personal growth. You're pretty good with how you're showing up now. But for one reason or another, it stings a little. If you want a refresher on why that might be, take a quick re-listen to last week's episode. And before we dive in, I think this is a good time for some reminders. First of all, we can't ever truly control what other people think. We might have a decent educated guess about what they may or may not think if we do X or say X, but humans are complicated and unpredictable, and there's just no guarantee. Also, we don't ever really know what people are thinking. Even if they say something directly, they could be lying. These are important points to keep in mind if you're thinking you need to convince someone that they're wrong about you. So when someone says something or acts in a way that makes us think that they're wrong about us, we can either try and convince them that they're wrong, let them be wrong about us and stew about it, or let them be wrong about us and clean up our thinking to be okay with that. I'm sure you won't be at all surprised that I'm going to advocate for generally choosing the first or third options. It's just not usually a great way to live to go around stewing about something that either you can't change or are choosing not to try and change. But how do you decide when to let someone be wrong versus when to try and convince them otherwise? I think it's helpful to consider three factors. Number one, how important the relationship with the person or people is to you. Number two, how important to that relationship is it that the other person or people know your true nature? And number three, how likely it is that you're going to convince them. To illustrate, I'm going to go through a couple of examples from my own life, personal and professional. In order to get the most out of this, while I'm talking about my own examples, I want you to hit pause after each of these. Come up with your own personal example that sort of fits in the same category and think about how you want to handle this, either now or in the future. So first, I'll use one of the examples I brought up last week. When I'm asking a patient about exercise and they think I'm trying to discuss their weight. If I ask myself how important this relationship is, it's very important. The answer for why this relationship is so important is wrapped up in the answer to the second question, how important is it to this relationship that I try and correct the misperception? 
it's crucial. If I want to build a trusting relationship with my patients, they need to feel confident that when I ask them a question, there's no hidden agenda behind it. And for number three, how likely it is that I'll get my point across, it's pretty decent. This is one that I pretty much always try to change the misperception when it occurs. So I ask the patient, in a typical week, how many days do you spend at least 30 minutes doing something specifically for exercise? And the patient doesn't really answer my question about exercise, but instead comments on their weight. And it doesn't matter whether they comment up or down. Sometimes people answer the question, I'm doing great, I've lost 15 pounds this year. Sometimes they say, not enough, I know I've gained weight. Either way, the answer is not what I asked about. My next step is I stop and say, now wait a minute, I didn't say anything about your weight. That's not why I'm asking. Exercise isn't for weight control. It's for your heart, your bones, your cholesterol, your blood pressure, your emotional well-being. It's like flossing. It's just one of those things we need to do to maintain our body, even though we might not see any immediate benefits from it. Now, before I launch into this spiel, am I doing the mental calculation first to decide whether I want to try and convince the patient that that's not what I was asking? No, of course not. It's automatic. That calculation happened in the background without me having to think about it. Sometimes we have situations like this where you don't have to consciously decide because it's fairly obvious, especially if it's something that comes up frequently. Okay, how about another example where the variables are a little different? Now, I promise I'm not obsessed with COVID and masks. It's just this is an easy topic to use for examples because people generally have some opinions about things. So I still mask in public places like the grocery store, and I'm very selective about participating in activities in which I would be unmasked indoors. I have very good reasons for this, and I like my reasons. First of all, I think wearing a mask is super easy. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I never, ever, ever feel constricted or like I can't breathe. In fact, now that it's getting colder outside, I get the added bonus of keeping my face warm. And second, if I get a coughing illness, I'm prone to cough-induced rib fractures. Rib fractures in general are miserable to recover from. If you break a rib falling down your stairs, you're sore for a few weeks, it's hard to find a comfortable position to sleep in, your activity may be a little limited, it might even hurt if you take a really deep breath. But you just modify your activity for a few weeks and then it's pretty much over. On the other hand, if you break a rib from a coughing illness, guess what? You get to experience that fracture every time you cough, which you're definitely still doing all the time because you're sick. So you have all of the inconveniences of any other fracture, plus you keep aggravating it so it takes longer to heal, and you have more pain along the way. It's not fun, and I prefer not to have them. I also prefer not to inconvenience my patients and my partners by not being able to perform my usual work duties. So I really like my reasons. Now, when I go to the grocery store, I am literally one of the only people in the entire store wearing a mask. And there's usually at least a few people who kind of stop and stare at me and sometimes roll their eyes. The assumption I'm making is that that person thinks I'm living in fear or I'm extra or whatever. Again, I don't know that that's what they're thinking. But it is my assumption that they're thinking something like this based on their body language and based on things that have actually been said to my face from time to time. So we start with question number one, how important is this relationship for me? It isn't. I don't have a relationship with these strangers. So right away, just by asking that first question, 
That's all I need to know. Now I know I'm not going to try and change anyone's mind. I'm just going to go ahead and let them be wrong about me. They can think whatever they want. They're allowed to be wrong. Now, I wish I could say this was just as automatic as the first example, but if I'm honest, I did have to put a little bit of thought work into this one. I don't like people thinking I'm afraid. And for me, there's actually no fear in this motivation at all. It's all very matter of fact and unemotional. So I did have to do a little bit of thought work to get to the place of feeling really comfortable with the idea that people might think I'm afraid and I don't care. I'm good with it. Okay, how about one that's somewhere in the middle? This one I'm making up is sort of a mishmash of related scenarios I've encountered in the past. It's not any one specific event that actually happened. So say you're in a leadership position and a colleague suggests that you haven't been working on a problem at all. In reality, you have been working on it. You've sent a lot of emails, you've had follow-ups, you've been in meetings, etc. Lots of work objectively has gone into it, but there isn't a solution yet, and that's why the colleague assumes you're not working on it. So question one, how important is the relationship? Very important. Skipping to question three, how likely is it that you could successfully convince them that they're wrong? Mm, pretty decent. If you wanted to, you could present all of the evidence you have from your emails and your calendar. But for question two, how important to the relationship is it that they know the truth? And here's where things get tricky. Part of you might be thinking, oh, it's very important. They have to know I'm working to support them. But why is it important? Do they really have to know that? Maybe, but maybe they don't. Maybe what really matters is to just keep working on a solution to the problem. And the reason it feels important that they know this is because it's a form of people-pleasing. You think someone thinks you're not doing a good job, which means they might not like you and this feels upsetting. Maybe you want to present all the evidence of your work in order to get praise. Now, liking praise isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it's not the best reason to motivate your behavior because, again, humans are complex and unpredictable creatures, and we can't control or predict what other people will say or think or do. So tying your own self-worth to someone else's thoughts or actions is completely disempowering. It means you can never be happy unless someone else gives you permission. So here's where it might be a situation to let someone be wrong about you. It might be a better use of your time and mental energy to keep working on fixing that problem rather than perseverating about what people think about you. This is the kind of thing that your brain might suggest to you several times, you need to fix this, show them they're wrong. So doing the thought work and writing out your stepping stone progression and having a mantra that you are solid with that you can remind yourself of frequently are all the tools that can help you get through it. So again, in order to put this to your own best use, I want you to stop and think about some situations in your life where you think others might be wrong about you and then decide how you want to feel and act. If you'd like help sorting out some of your painful truths and letting people be wrong, come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule your free consult. Thanks for joining me and I will see you again next time.
opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.